0: Right, welcome back in to Sons of Saturday Hoops Pod. My name is Mike McDaniel, joined as always by my co-host Ed Williams. Ed, two big wins by the Hokies since we last spoke against two inferior opponents. It was nice to see the Hokies play somewhat complete games for once. We hadn't really seen that a lot this year, but first, how you doing, man?
1: I'm good, man. Yeah, they played uh, obviously two lesser opponents that we talked about this last week, how we were just kind of looking for them to build off of the success of the Clemson game and continue um, in the right direction. As well as get some of the younger guys minutes, and they were able to handle both of those tasks against Coppin State and Longwood. But uh, overall, solid performances. A um, couple of trends to kind of look at as we move forward into ACC play, but uh, all in all, good good deal from both those games.
0: And a much needed distraction from football. You and I talked about in the last podcast how we just needed something different. You know, we were coming off of the press conferences last week with, with Babcock and Justin Fuente and There was a lot of speculation about Fuente's job going into last week, and it was nice to just not even really think about football over the weekend and, you know, watch Tech play Saturday evening and a very convincing win against Coppin State and then come back here on on Monday night and uh, beat down Longwood, especially in the second half. So let's jump into the Coppin State game. So Virginia Tech was unranked going into the Coppin State game, coming off of their victory over Clemson earlier in the week. Uh, Tech beats Coppin State 97 to 57, a game that really was never all that competitive. Tech led by 17 at halftime. Uh, They outscored Coppin State by 23 in the second half, win this game by 40. Hokies hit 23s in this game. They were 20 of 37 from three, uh, 54%. We had talked about the three-point shooting and how Tech needed a get-right game from deep because – the Hokies all throughout the year, they haven't really been all that consistent from downtown. They've had stretches where they've been really hot. They've had stretches where they've been really cold, but there hadn't been a game yet where Tech was just firing on all cylinders from the jump, uh, especially from three-point land offensively, and that was really apparent in this game. Jalen Cohn with 18 points, he hit five threes. Uh, Naheem Lean hit five threes. It was nice to see him get, get back and, and shooting well because he had been struggling lately. Uh, He had 18 points as well, 11 points off the bench from Hunter Couture. Uh, Also, 18 turnovers against Coppin State was something that stood out to me, even in a 40-point win, is something we continue to talk about on this podcast, Ed. Tech's offense has been kind of up and down shooting, but I think they're giving away too many possessions right now. And even in a 40-point win, that's something to keep an eye on moving forward. It was a little bit better last night against Longwood. Uh, but it continues to be something that's an issue for this team.
1: Yeah, I think Mike Young would completely agree. Uh, 18 turnovers is a ton of turnovers. I think that's the season high so far against a completely inferior opponent.
0: Probably Um, the worst one we played so far.
1: Yeah, it doesn't really make much sense. Um, And what I noticed when I was digging into the box scores for both these games, and I have to go back and look at some of the earlier season games to see if that trend holds up, but a lot of these turnovers are coming from the bigs. Against Coppin State, we had 18 total, and we had four each from Aluma and Mutts. So, that's eight of your 18 right there coming from basically your four and your five, man, and your starting rotation. Um, and That, that trend kind of continued against Longwood last night with uh, – we had eight total as a team, half of those coming from Aluma and Mutz. Right. So, it's really interesting to see that our bigs are not handling the ball very well, which you wouldn't really expect, but I think we need to do a better job of uh, keeping them out of positions where they have to – you know, dribble and pass because it's, it gets a little sketchy, especially when Kevin Aluma's you know, dribbling and passing at the same time, even the ones he completes are kind of rocky. And uh, right. it, it is interesting to see that these turnovers are coming from the big men and not as much from the guards, but yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, even with the 18 turnovers, anytime you hit 23s against a team like Coppin state, that's coming in one and five. Um, you should probably be able to win. Now win by 40 with 18 turnovers. That's pretty impressive. Um, so they played an all-around really good game. And it was really nice to see uh, Naheem Alain play as well as he did, 5 of 9 from 3, Cohn 5 of 11 from 3. And then uh, the freshman getting in the game late, uh, Bama Still and Maddox, they each played nine minutes, I believe, and then nine points each. Um, so it was really nice to see uh, almost – I mean, I think everybody on the roster actually did get in that game that was healthy and available. So um, super nice get-right game, continue in the right direction – Uh, The defense, both against Coppin State and Longwood, was much, much better. Uh, Ball movement also much improved, as you'd expect against a lesser opponent, with less pressure on you. So um, I think they accomplished the things they set out to accomplish in both these games winning convincingly, and getting back into the rankings after the Coppin State game as well.
0: Yeah, the, the one other thing I want to note in this Coppin State game in particular, I thought defensively it's the best the Hokies have played all year. Now, some of that, of course, has to do with the opponent they're playing in Coppin State. But Virginia Tech has been a bit uneven defensively over the last few weeks. I mean, we saw it kind of trending that direction after the Villanova game. Tech also didn't play particularly well defensively against Villanova either. Um, but, but I thought overall this was the best they've looked defensively. I mean, Coppin State goes 5 of 26 from 3. A lot of their shots were contested in this game. Um, I I thought the Hokies did a really nice job defensively. And that's something where, look, if you're turning the ball over the way that Virginia tech is, you have to put in the work on the other end of the floor. It's something that Virginia tech has done mostly a good job of this year, but again, it's been kind of up and down a little bit as has the shooting as, and the turnovers have not been good, but you know, Virginia tech's making up for it in other ways. I mean, in a game where you have 18 turnovers, like you said, Ed, to win that game by 40 and to hit 23 pointers, I mean, Virginia tech gets 23s. With the three-pointers alone, they beat Coppin State. Um, They outscored them 60-57. to So it it was a really convincing win. It was good for the Hokies to kind of build off of that Clemson victory and come right back against inferior opponent and right from the jump just blow them out of the gym. That's something that Tech needed to do. And like we mentioned, we wanted to see some more minutes for some of the younger guys. And it was nice to see Joe Bamisole and Darius Maddox uh, get in the game. Uh, David Ngusan continues to be the guy to receive the most minutes as a freshman. Uh, He actually fouled out in this game. He had 4.6 rebounds. I thought overall he played okay. I mean, the fouling is not great, uh, but he hasn't had too big of an issue with that so far this year. I think defensively he's been able to slide his feet and hasn't put himself into too many situations where he's had to foul a lot. Uh, But offensively, his game is still super raw, so the experience and getting him out there helps a lot. Um, Hunter Couture. So I want to talk about Hunter Couture for a second because I think this will bridge into the Longwood game where he played really well again. Uh, Hunter Couture has 11 points off the bench and uh, and five assists. And since that Penn state game that he missed and he was sick in, he started to really build off of that as he's gotten back into the fold, into the rotation, and he's carving himself out a pretty nice role. Um, he, him and Jalen Coner are, are, the two guys off the bench that I think are starting to develop an identity more quickly. I think early in the year, we saw, you know, a mix of Kator and Cohn and Cordell Pemsel, who we've seen less of lately, and David Goussan's getting more man's now. But Kator and Cohn, in particular, off the bench, are carving out a really nice role as kind of the sixth and seventh men. And I really like where Hunter Kator's game is at, in particular, um, because Jalen Cohn is, is, you know, stealing all the thunder and all the headlines because of what he's doing from beyond the arc. But Hunter Kator continues to come along offensively. And I like the way his game is progressing right now on that end of the floor and defensively continues to get better as well.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, Hunter played really, really well against Longwood on both ends of the floor. And, um, you know, the two of them coming off the bench is supposed to be, you know, a lot of scoring, a lot of three-point three point shots. And, you know, that you can see it based on the sets that they're trying to run. They're getting those two guys open for open looks on the perimeter. But um, Hunter continues to develop his all-around offensive game um yesterday against longwood for example he had eight points only one of five from three but he i remember he drove into the lane with a really nice layup and then he also had that nice dunk yeah so um things you wouldn't really expect from him based on his role last year but he continues to get better and then on the defensive end of the floor he looked fantastic two steals um all around good defense 24 minutes so he played the most minutes of anyone come off the bench He actually played more minutes than he did yesterday against longwood so um yeah he continues to grow his game in all aspects and it's really exciting to see he's playing a little bit of point guard when BD's not in the game. Um, he'll, you know, bring it up and the run that sets through him. Um, now Mike Young's offense kind of operates in a multi-guard way anyway. Right. So he's not really the point guard, but um, they trust him enough to handle the ball. I mean, yesterday he had eight points, three assists, three rebounds, two steals, um, you know, not gaudy numbers, but he's, you know, filling it up in all the different categories. So it's really good to see from him. And I agree he's played some really good ball in the last couple of games and they're going to need them to as they continue to get into the ACC schedule. So,
0: I realized in my uh, in kind of my bridge to Longwood game, I, I didn't even discuss the final score. Tech beat Longwood eighty-four to fifty-eight. Tech was ranked number twenty-four in the country. Um, that new AP poll came out on Monday afternoon before Tech took the floor against Longwood on Monday night. Hokies are now seven and one. Um, obviously, one and zero oh in ACC play uh, with that victory over Clemson. But yeah, 84 to 58 over Longwood. Wabisabidi had a really nice game, five points, eight assists. He had kind of a flurry where he had like three assists and three possessions, which was nice to see. Um, I, I think he's what he's kind of grown into when he's at his best is a guy who's just kind of the floor general. And defensively, you know what you're getting every single night. Thought he played really well against Longwood. Um, like you mentioned, uh, and you kind of, you stole that, right, stole the words right out of my mouth there. Hunter Couture playing more minutes than Naheem Aline is just kind of a testament to what his role is going to be on this team. Um, Aline, there's not going to be many nights this year where Naheem Aline only plays 19 minutes, uh, but Hunter Couture played so well last night on the defensive end of the floor in particular, I thought against Longwood that uh, Mike Young clearly was not going to take him off of the floor. The the one thing I I kind of alluded to a couple minutes ago, but I want to, Kind of recircle here is so Aluma and Mutz. We, t- we talked about the turnovers here and, and Virginia Tech with eight turnovers. I believe that's a season low for them, which is great. That's we yeah, want to see yeah. that continue to trend in that direction. Um, so when Aluma and Mutz go to the bench, we've seen a lot more of David Gusan recently than Cordell Pemsel. I think that's interesting. Now, this is like two consecutive games where we've seen that. I, I wonder if you know Mike Young looks at the caliber of opponent and says, Let's let's get Gusan some more minutes. But on the flip side, I wonder if this is a trend of or moving forward, if Cordell Pemsel is going to be in a more limited role, which is odd because I think he's played pretty well when he's been in the game. So I, I don't know if it's more of a testament to what Ngusan's becoming uh, for Mike Young and how much more confident he is in, in his game and you know his athleticism. Obviously, Ngusan's a, a more athletic guy than Cordell Pemsel, but I think Pemsel can and should have a role with this team it's just been interesting to see kind of the minutes distribution over the last few games cordell Pemsel only played four minutes against uh and state he plays eight minutes here against longwood um and gusan plays 18 minutes against Coppin state and 17 minutes against longwood so he's certainly gained more minutes the last couple games and he's produced i mean five points to seven rebounds uh, against longwood is something that you love to see out in gusan and he's clearly becoming more comfortable in his role as a defender and a rebounder and his offensive game, like I mentioned, is still raw, but I think that's something he'll continue to gain confidence in as he goes up against these opponents.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure if the minutes, you know, minutes exchange between Gasan and Pemsel will continue to trend in this direction as we get into ACC play and have to deal with, you know, more physical players. Cause Pemsel does bring a nice physicality off the bench that quite frankly, none of the other three bigs do Motsalum or Gassan. None of them are big stout guys. Um, so I think there's going to be nights where, you know, it's Pemstle's night or it's Kusan's night off the bench based on matchups. Um, I do want to talk about Kusan a little bit, though, because he basically is operating in the role of like a garbage man almost. Right. Um, all of his points are, you know, clean up around the rim kind of thing. Yep. Like two of two yesterday. They were both layups. Um, but he he rebounds at a very high level for, you know, a freshman who hasn't had a whole lot of time in the weight room playing against Division one guys. Um, he consistently is at the top of our team leaders in rebounds every night, regardless of minutes. Um, He didn't play the most minutes at all last night. He played 17, so it's a substantial number. But the only person with more rebounds than him was Tyrese Radford, which, you know, that's a complete anomaly because that's how Tyrese Radford plays. But right. Don's game continues to get better. Offensively, he's really not going to provide much this year, and I think that's okay. But if he can continue to fill that role of almost like a garbage man, like, Last night, five points, two steals, seven rebounds. That's a solid stat line from your basically your three or your fourth um, big man off the bench. So, I do think the you know Pemsel Gusan thing will be matchup dependent um, based on the size that you know we're dealing with on the other team as we get into the ACC schedule. But it is super interesting. And then you talked about BD stat line: five points, eight assists, key number there, zero turnovers. Yeah, um, that's huge from obese BD. And if we zoom out on the turnovers again, I touched on it. You know, we had eight total, which was the season low, as you mentioned. But the bigs are committing these turnovers. Of the eight, Aluma two, Mutz two, Tyrese Radford one, Hunter Couture one. So there's two guards. But then the other two come from Pempsil and Gasson. So over half of the turnovers last night against Longwood came from our quasi-big men. Right. Um, If you consider Mutz and Gassan really big men, I guess they are in our offense. But Mutz isn't really a true you know, big in the division one college team. He's more yep. of a multifaceted player, but that's kind of concerning moving forward because in order to get our guards, the looks they need on the perimeter, as well as the lanes they need to drive in, you know, for the instance of Tyrese Radford, our bigs are going to need to handle the ball a little bit better. Um, Cause that's just, I and mean, that's not going to cut it when over half of your turnovers are coming from the guys who aren't handling the ball anywhere near half the amount of time. Um, so hopefully we can look for that to get better and those guys get more comfortable with the ball in their hands, whether that be kind of on the wing. Um, you know, a lot of times Aluma's not catching the ball super deep and he's then got a, you know, dribble, which I don't think is something he wants to do. I think in terms of his post presence, um, he's going to be at his best when he only has to make one or two dribbles and one move uh, to get his shot off. If he starts pounding the ball on the ground too much, that's when bad things are going to happen. Um, and Then I'll touch on one more thing from Longwell, one more guy's particular stat line. Tyrese Radford. How much yeah. fun he to watch? Nine points, eight rebounds, three assists. Just a casual night from Tyrese Radford. Um, you know, we've kind of grown to expect that he's kind of the calming force on the offense when they need a bucket inside they give it to him. He drives in. He was 4-7 last night. Um, oh, one from three, but that's not his game. Uh, Jalen Cohn shoots plenty of threes to make up for Tyrese Radford's lack of shooting threes, so <laughs> he'll be okay in that front. Um yeah, a lot of interesting things to look at from the Longwood game. Uh, I believe the line that I saw was 24, so they covered that, um, which you always like. Barely. Good good teams win, great teams cover, so we'll take it.
0: So, uh, you hit on a a lot of what I was taking away from the Longwood game. I I learned more about Tech from this Longwood game than I did uh, from Tech against Coppin State. Number one, Tech offensively in the first half was not very good. Um, They had some spurts. They had their moments. Uh, but only leading by four at the break shooting, I think 32% from the floor in the first half is not what you like to see. Um, Even though tech was not turning the ball over, it was just interesting that they were shooting it that poorly against longwood Longwood just continued to hang around second half, entirely different story. Uh, Tech outscores longwood by 22 in the second half. Uh, And like you mentioned, they, they win and cover the 24 winning by 26. Good wins, good teams, win great teams, cover Uh, defensively. So last night, For the second consecutive game, Virginia Tech holds down the opponent's three-point percentage, right? Longwood four a 17 shooting uh, from deep. They were forty shot 44% overall from the floor. I I think Tech needs to continue to defend the perimeter well as they enter ACC play. So this is something that has been a bit up and down for Tech this year. It's been good the last two games against inferior opponents. Now the question is, can that continue against better competition? That's the thing I'll be looking for. You mentioned the turnovers from the bigs. That obviously needs to be cut down significantly because if Virginia Tech commits the amount of live ball turnovers they've committed so far this season against the the caliber teams that will be playing in ACC play, it won't be good. There will be a lot of empty possessions, obviously, offensively. And defensively, the numbers aren't going to look as good as we'd like them to, especially against better teams they'll be facing uh, coming up here in the coming weeks and months. So I think Virginia tech's in a good spot. You can't ask for much better than a seven and one start to the season and then beating Clemson in the one ACC game they've played upsetting Villanova. We talked about in the last podcast, having two top 25 wins already in a season that's likely going to be shortened and could have some stoppages due to COVID. And, you know, who knows what the future holds. It's huge to have those two feathers in your cap early on in the season. Uh, I would like to see Virginia tech to continue to shoot the ball. Well, from three, They were 10 of 32 last night, 15 of those came from Jalen Cone. He took 15 shots. All 15 of them were threes. He made six of them. He had a couple of poor decisions, I think, shooting the ball, particularly in the second half. Um, At one point, uh, Jalen Cone was 6 of 11 from deep. He finishes 6 of 15. Uh, So again, you know, he's shooting the ball well um, when he's on the floor. He does take some shots at times, though, that I think are a bit too quick and, you know, put Tech in a precarious situation offensively. You don't love taking you know, deep threes early in the shot clock. I think he does a little bit too much of that, but that's his role. I mean, Mike Young is going to say, look, I mean, if he's open, he's going to shoot it. And that's his role. Mike Young's called him the best shooter in the program. So that's going to be his role off the bench. You know, the, the one thing that you and I discussed in the preview for the season, our first podcast was, what was the role of Jalen Cone or Cartier Jada going to be, right? Were they going to be starters? Were they going to come off the bench? We thought that Jada might start. We thought that Cone would probably come off the bench. Now, Jada is no longer involved, but the one thing that we did mention was that these two guys would likely be in a role, if they were coming off the bench, where they would have to serve as a spark plug. Jada's not a three-point shooter, but we knew that he was going to provide that electric offense off the bench, uh, which is something that he was doing to a degree, uh before he opted out of the season jalen Cohn. we knew this was what his role was going to be right come off the bench instant offense hit a bunch of threes and, and Cohn has grown into that role and what i did not expect was hunter couture like we talked about to grow into the role that he's grown into off the bench so i, I think virginia tech is trending in a good direction um i think overall it, this is kind of the almost like the quarter poll of the season right or the first third of the season. Um, we're, we're at the point now where tech's going into ACC play. We have a pretty good idea of what the identity is going to be moving forward, right? This team is going to be a lot more balanced than they were a year ago. Um, this is not a totally live by the three, die by the three, but they are going to take a lot of them. Cause that's what Mike young coach teams do. This is a good shooting team and has a capability of shooting the ball really well. We saw that against Coppin state hitting the 23 pointers. We saw it last night with tech hitting 10, three pointers, um, this is going to be a team that rebounds at a high level, even though they aren't the biggest team on the planet. Um, they're obviously going to be able to rebound at a pretty high level because they have the, the guys that care and want to get their hands dirty and, and want to get on the glass on a nightly basis, which is great considering the size disadvantage Tech's going to be at in most games in ACC play. This is also a team that I think it's safe to say through eight games is going to turn the ball over a good bit. Um, last night, like we mentioned, the, the eight turnovers against Longwood uh, the lowest mark of the season for tech. Uh, but tech's been in double digits in almost every single game they've played this year from a turnover standpoint. And that's something that Mike on coach teams historically don't do. It's beginning to be a trend or it has been a trend at least through eight games. If tech cleans that up in conference play, this offense has the capability to go to an entirely new level. They're giving away way too many possessions right now on that end of the floor, but still putting up pretty good offensive numbers. So, that's what I'm going to be looking for. Then one last thing, Ed, before I get your thoughts on kind of, you know, what to look for throughout conference play as we kind of bridge into that conversation defensively, what's this team ceiling defensively? That, that's what I'm going to be looking for. I, I think tech has been a bit inconsistent on that end of the floor, but you know, they've defended the perimeter a bit better the last few games. I think they're obviously going to be giving up some size inside in most every game they play in ACC play. Um, so obviously that's always going to be a concern, but if tech defends and and plays help defense and rebounds, especially at a level that they've rebounded at so far this year, I think tech can only be so bad defensively, right. Um, even on their worst night. So that's just a few things I'm going to be looking for going into ACC play, but what are your kind of takeaways from the non-conference play Ed, and and what do you expect moving forward?
1: Yeah. I mean, we're leaving non-conference play ranked with two top 25 wins and one loss. Um, all in all, I think we would all take that, you know, uh, if that was the discussion we had before the season. Um, so I, I think you can't – there's not more positives than negatives, but there's definitely some glaring weaknesses, um, specifically the turnovers. Um, in a lot of ways, the the three-point shooting of this team kind of makes up for those turnovers. Um, but that you're not going to have nights like that where you just shoot, you know, you make 23s. That's not going to happen every night. Um, we saw that be the case against Penn State where we just you didn't have enough to keep up. Um, but I think, you know, specifically from the Coppin State and the Longwood game, um, the trends continue to go in the right way, especially defensively. I really like the defensive effort. Um, you know, Beatty's the, the the staple there on defense. We know what he's going to be night in and night out. But I think Naheem Aline and Hunter Couture, as well as Tyrese Radford, are all playing really, really good defense right now. Um, inside, you know, there's a little bit more of a question mark. But I think defensively, trending in the right direction. Offensively, the ball movement has been really good. I think part of the struggles last night against Longwood in the first half offensively was settling for too many threes um, and not as much of a willingness to take the ball inside. They just took the easy shot that they had on the perimeter, especially against the zone. They were just taking, you know, and they weren't bad shots. They were open threes. They just weren't falling. Um, But I think this team did its best when their offense is more consistent and, uh, you know. Tyrese Radford's getting the ball inside. Aluma's getting the ball inside and playing more inside out um, instead of just relying on all three-point shots. Um, So I think everything is trending the way we want it to be. Uh, The eight turnovers against Longwood is great. Uh, That's probably an unsustainably low number, especially as you start playing better competition. Um, But I think all in all, a lot to be happy about as a Tech fan and a lot to be happy about if you're Mike Young and his staff heading into um, this week-long break in the holidays and then, opening up with Miami right after that, so.
0: Yeah, looking ahead here, Tech plays Miami after the holidays, like you mentioned. Um, Well, I guess after Christmas anyway, but before New Year's. They they play next Tuesday. That's their next game, Tuesday the 29th against Miami, Um, and then don't play again until January 2nd, which is Saturday, uh, against UVA, who UVA is going to play today, so by the time most of you hear this podcast, Virginia will have played another game. They've been on a bit of a pause due to uh, a small COVID outbreak within their team, but they're going to be back out playing today. So we'll learn a little bit more about what UVA is right now. UVA is ranked 16th in the country as they enter play this afternoon. Uh, they should, they're going to be a, a big favorite today. Let me see if they just be reminded of who they play today.
1: Um, I'll just say this about UVA, they should not be ranked 16th.
0: No, I mean, what we've seen out of them so far, they they haven't looked particularly good. Um, They've been wildly
1: inconsistent at best.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, they are a huge favorite today against William & Mary. They have Gonzaga on Saturday, um, day after Christmas. I think we're going to know just how good UVA is after that game because Gonzaga is – is and has been the best team in the country this year. They've been outstanding. Mm-hmm. They're the prohibitive favorite to win the national championship. I know it's early, but they're, they're loaded and experienced and looked really freaking good against Iowa <laughs> in a big-time matchup last weekend. Um, but yeah, UVA is going to have three games before they play Virginia Tech here. In about a week and a half, they got William & Mary, Gonzaga, and then they're on the road to Notre Dame. So we'll know if UVA is as good as their ranking indicates. Like you said, Ed, I tend to think they're not the 16th best team in the country right now. I think they're a bit entirely too reliant upon Sam Hauser, and they haven't really practiced a lot lately because they had the COVID outbreak. They had their Michigan State game on the 9th canceled, um, and this William & Mary game is actually a postponement from a December 13th originally scheduled matchup. So now playing this afternoon on the 22nd against William & Mary. UVA also had a game on the road against Wake Forest postponed as well. That was supposed to be their kind of middle of the non-conference schedule ACC game that they were supposed to play. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what UVA is as well. But I I think Tech, you know, starting out conference play, you know, obviously with the win over Clemson last week and kind of looking at what Virginia Tech has moving forward, the Hokies play Miami again next Tuesday. They, They go on the road to UVA, like I mentioned, January 2nd. January 6th at Louisville and January 10th at home versus Notre Dame before playing Duke on the 12th at home. So it will be a tough five game stretch here to start the brunt of ACC play at.
1: Yeah, we need that Miami game. Um, They've been, you know, okay so far. I think they're four and two. Um, They haven't really played a super difficult schedule. They do have a win over Purdue, which is a power five win, but um, not a particularly impressive power five win. Um, I'm pulling up their schedule right now. I believe their losses came to Florida Gulf coast. Yeah. Florida Gulf coast. And then they lost by 15 to Pitt. So, um, that Miami game is going to be a not big game, but you know, it's one that you want for sure. Uh, you know, if you're Virginia tech and you have aspirations of finishing in the top eight or whatever of the ACC and making a potential tournament, um, bid, uh, that Miami game is one you want and probably need. Um, to, you know, boost your your strength of, you know, your record and start out 2-0 in the ACC is always a good thing. So, but yeah, if you look at Miami, they've beaten North Florida, Stetson, Purdue, and Jacksonville, and they've lost to Florida Gulf Coast and Pitt. So, um, not a whole lot you can take away from that, but that's a game you're definitely going to want for the Hokies. And then, yeah, I mean, you're right. After that, I mean, who knows what Virginia is? I think if they play their full schedule so far, you know, that Michigan state game that got canceled specifically, they're probably not ranked because they probably aren't beating that Michigan state team.
0: Right. Um,
1: But Miami UVA Louisville is really talented. They've lost a lot of players. Um, But Chris Mack's a good coach and they've still got some talent on that team and then Notre Dame and Duke. So, I mean, welcome to the ACC, right? We know this every year, this is how it's going to be. Some teams are going to have up years. Some teams are going to have down years and you just kind of got to have to – you're going to have to win the ones that you're supposed to and probably steal one or two of the ones that you're maybe not supposed to win. Um, now, from a resume perspective, technically we've already done that twice. Right. Um, I think Virginia Tech probably finishes ahead of Clemson in most metrics um, as the year progresses. But technically, at the time the game was played, we've won two games we weren't supposed to win. Um, we can win a couple more of those and then just play solid ball the rest of the way. This team definitely is on pace to um, be a tournament team, which would be really, really cool in year two of Mike Young.
0: Yeah, so you, you kind of just dove into that. What do you think reasonable expectations are now as we kind of get into the brunt of ACC play? Tech was picked 11th in the conference uh, by the coaches. You and I both thought that was low. I think a top eight finish is something that Tech should definitely aspire to do. I, I think that's maybe a bit of a low bar considering what we've seen so far and considering what the ACC has been, just like a really inconsistent conference so far, which – You know, a lot of that has to do with COVID and it being a weird year anyway, but uh, Tech's been one of the most consistent teams in the ACC that I've seen play. And that's Penn State game aside, like even with that game, Tech's been pretty consistent. I mean, they we know what this team is going to be on a nightly basis. Penn State was weird because defensively it was like really slow at the start. And then Tech couldn't hit a shot for like the first 14 minutes of the game. And by then the game was out of hand. Penn State was just on another level that night. They would have beaten most teams in the ACC, I think, with the way they shot the ball. Uh, so just kind of looking at, at conference play, I think top eight is a reasonable expectation and most people will probably think that's pretty low, but you know, the ACC this year, I think is going to be as unpredictable as ever, but given the consistency we've seen out this team, I think it's a fair assumption to say that our preseason prediction that we had of tech getting into that top eight is something that could absolutely be a reality with the way the team's played.
1: Yeah. I think that prediction is probably going to hold up. Um, at least you would expect it to the way that they've started. It'd be kind of an epic collapse if it weren't to hold up at this point. Um, Tech has also, I believe, played the most games of anyone in the conference so far. Yep, that's correct. Games. So I think that's a huge um, advantage that they're going to have moving forward. And, you know, probably part of that consistency is that they've played the most games. Um, so I think coming out of, you know, this mini week off, which I guess we've had a few of at this point, um, We'll see how they play against Miami. I think that's a game that you probably need to have if you have aspirations of being a tournament team. Um, but I think in terms of last year, I would look for a jump in wins in ACC play. I mean, how many games play we play, I don't know. But last year, I believe we finished 500 in the ACC. Um, I would expect improvement off of that. I think this team is better. And I think the biggest thing for this team moving forward to maintain the expectations we have or exceed the expectations we had at the beginning of the season is going to be the defensive end of the floor. Uh, If they can continue to improve and play good defense, the offense is going to come. There's enough firepower where the offense is going to be okay. Um, We're a pretty dynamic offensive team on the perimeter and uh, inside. So I think defensively is where I'm going to be looking at uh, against Miami and UVA to see how we hold up in those games. And I think those two games will be a really good – benchmark for moving forward in ACC play and see how the season finishes up. But cautiously optimistic for sure. Um, You know, they've played really, really well so far. And I think if they can continue doing the things that they've done the last three games, Clemson, Clemson, Coppin State and Longwood, there's no reason this team shouldn't be playing in the tournament at the end of the year.
0: I was looking at the schedule and how things were laid out. I was thinking we might not record next week, but now that I think about it, even just with the one Miami game to recap, we're going to have a better idea of what UVA is, assuming they play all three games here uh, coming up. So I think we'll try to record here before new years and try to get a, a sense of what tech's going to be going into this UVA game on January 2nd, even though we'll only have the one game to recap against Miami. I think it'll be good to a recap that game and b just, kind of preview UVA and Louisville and kind of what's to come as we get some more data points on these ACC teams. It's going to be a really, uh, really busy January. Uh, Tech hadn't played a ton of games in December. Like you mentioned, they did play the most in the ACC, but January is when things start to kick up a little bit, assuming that, you know, Tech continues to stay healthy and their opponents continue to stay healthy. Uh, Like I mentioned, January 2nd at UVA, the 6th at Louisville, 10th versus Notre Dame, the 12th at home versus Duke and then at wake home against BC and at Syracuse in a span of another week through January 23rd. So tech's going to be playing a ton of ACC games, uh, throughout the early and middle part of January. So, uh, the Hokies will be busy assuming everybody's healthy and, uh, the opponents stay healthy. But Ed, I I think that's all I got until we regroup after Christmas. You got anything else?
1: No, I guess we'll, we'll plan to chat about Miami. I think we'll have a lot to talk about after that one. Um, you know, depending on the performance of the guys. But – and then, like, we can touch on UVA and kind of preview that game. I mean, that's obviously always the one that Virginia Tech fans are the most interested in. I um, guess that means I have to watch their boring brand of basketball for the next week. But <laughs> so that I know what I'm talking about come time to talk about it. But uh, I guess I'll suffer through that. It's basically just watching Sam Hauser on the wing ISO every time that they need a shot.
0: So He's pretty good, at least, you know.
1: Oh, Sam Hauser can ball the rest of yeah. them. A lot of question marks, but and I really don't want to watch KeA Clark play, he's, he's no fun. But, um, no, I got nothing else to talk about. Mike, go ahead and uh, hug your stuff, and we'll get out of here
0: at Mike McDaniel VT on Twitter, sons of com, Of course, on this podcast every week with Ed Ed, where you got
1: E underscore Williams24 on Twitter, and then sons of com. Go check out everyone's uh, stuff. I think the boys put out a nice pod yesterday talking about the end of the football season. So everyone go give that a listen.
0: Yep. All right, Ed. I'd have a good Christmas, happy holidays to all of our listeners. And we'll regroup after Christmas, talk about Miami and see where this team is going to head into ACC play. But until then go Hokies.